Welcome to Season 2, Episode 87 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got my team, Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. And Matthew Aguilar. What up? And we are going back. We're kind of shake up the cobwebs. I feel like we've gotten to the other side of something in 2020. There's <laughs> yeah. brighter, brighter hopes ahead. And we're shaking off the cobwebs of this strange quarantine year, and we're getting back to our lean, mean Comic Book Nation machine. So... It's going to be a shorter show from here on out. We're going down. We're going to try to keep this around 30 to 40 minutes for you guys. And we're going to get back to some deep dive discussions because while we wait for the film industry to unfold, we got some things we want to get into with you guys. And so today we will be talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 12 and all the big Star Wars connections that it revealed. We are also going to be breaking down DC's Future State Preview, a preview of the DC event that's coming out with uh, new heroes, a bold new DC future, and a lot of information they just dropped on us that we are going to do the job of sifting for you through for you to tell you what there is to be excited about this new event that's kicking off in 2021. So that'll be our discussion for today. But up first, we just got to take a quick news mention. Something big happened. Marvel has gotten to work on Deadpool 3. Yeah, so The third Deadpool film is officially in motion and... We have writers for it, and I don't think people saw this coming, but we are excited. Yeah. Bob's Burgers writers, Wendy and Lizzie Molyneux, are going to be writing Deadpool 3 for Marvel Studios, and yeah, that's just, that's just bananas. <laughs> and the report is, it's looking like it'll keep that R rating, so that whole Disney thing we don't have to worry about. Yay! Like rejoice! Yes, rejoice. We are getting the same Deadpool, the same uh, Ryan Reynolds, obviously, will be back. He's already been hanging out with Kevin Feige, having brunch on the weekends. Lovely. He's getting the writers of Bob's Burgers. So if you're a fan of that show, this is something to be really excited about. And Deadpool is happening at Marvel. It's all happening. Like I said, we're getting to the other side of things here. So not too much to discuss about that, right? Like, everybody's just excited. I don't know if yeah. that's going to, you know, excited and out of punch bowl here, but like, I think we're good, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, no, I'm excited. Boss Burgers is great. Yeah, so I mean, that, that duo Burgers. or like that group, that's such a, I feel like that's honestly the kind of fresh shot of energy it probably needs with the third one. So I think that's great. Yes. And good comedic vision because the second one was a just muddled mess of kind of this power struggle between Ryan Reynolds and the first director. What is it? More comedy, more action. Yes. I'm, I'm just looking to see the formula settle in, in Marvel we trust. So. That's do we that. have any dates or anything like that? Do we no, have, like, do not any derail idea? us. We are not going to. <laughs> we know there are writers. We have no director. Ryan Reynolds is back. Somebody is writing it for Marvel. Who's Bad the villain, story. Kofi? Yeah. I don't Who's know. the villain? Love interest? Whoever opens Anyways. against this movie. So, <laughs> so that's it for Deadpool 3. You can get the rest on comicbook.com, Marvel. But today's main discussion, number one, is, of course, like I said, The Mandalorian. Mando, show, yes. chapter 12. We've been going through season two each week, and uh, this week, some big things happened. I mean, it feels like every episode, except for number two, big things have been happening. But <laughs> True. Yeah, this week was no different. And this week was special because we had, in chapter 11, the Bo-Katan Kreese reveal, and that was like a big giddy thrill for Star Wars fans because we got this animated character in live action and people were probably wondering who she was. But this episode this week looks like it is setting up a larger season two storyline that has major connections to the Star Wars films. And so we're going to get into what all that means. 
Obviously, we are about to talk spoilers for The Mandalorian Chapter 12. So if you have not seen Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian, The Siege, please, we're going to talk spoilers. So spare yourself. So don't get mad. Yeah, you know, five to, ten minute fast, five to ten minute fast forward, you can learn all about DC Future State. Um, but for those of you still here, let's get into it. So Chapter 12 was called The Siege, and it was directed by my man, Carl Weathers, uh, which was like a fun little piece of trivia for me. I love that. Love me some Carl Weathers. And basically, this episode took things back to the beginning. Mando went to planet Navarro, where the series began, where he first took the mission to uh, save the child and then had to come back at the end of season one to face Moff Gideon and, and have that big kind of shootout. So basically, he goes back because his ship is all still jacked up from, you know... <laughs> It's so sad. It now. is yeah. so messed up. <laughs> yeah. They did such a good job, though. I feel like they're they're so good at making things look beat up and old and weathered, and I feel like that's when they take their most like creative design approach. Did I really you love make that. Make a Carl Weathers pun. Sure. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm picking up what you put down there, Janelle. Um, but yeah, so his ship's all beat up, and I love that whole thing about him just having like a broken down car this season. But uh, he, he goes to get a fix on Navarro because he has old allies there, uh, namely Cara Dune, Gina Carano, and Grief Carga, Carl Weathers. And he comes back to find a very different Navarro. And this is continuing the theme of, you know, Din Djarin kind of learning what effect his actions have had and, and how much he's actually changed things, um, you know, which was the kind of the point of the second episode was he was in a jam and he kind of got let go and helped out of it because of his good deeds kind of coming back around to, to benefit him. Uh, and so he goes back and finds that we we learned that Cara Dune is now a marshal just of her own, just like Timothy Oliphant and grief Cargas, this kind of larger kind of political figure magistrate guy. And they are trying to clear out the last of Moff Gideon's forces so that they can basically take ownership of this planet and make it a peaceful place and a trade route and, help Navarro flourish. So Mando agrees to help them and do this because, you know, they're his old friends. But like everything else Mando gets into, it turns out to be more than that. Instead, they stumble onto this crazy lab that Moff Gideon has uh, where he's been conducting this experiments and it's a heavily fortified Imperial base. This is a real deal. And they basically have to fight their way out of that. And it was a good episode for me because it, it, it was very much Carl Weathers making a testosterone action flick from like the 80s or 90s. There's even like a speeder chase and like a whole thing um, with like one liners and blast and stuff. And it, it was pretty good fun, but I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people came out of question with, with questions about this uh, looking at you Wheeler. Like, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but I, I did do research. Like I, I go on to like, read and dig and try to figure out as a matter of fact in that school scene i was like can i sit at one of these tables and learn because that droid was just completely spelling it all out with like trade routes and all of the different spots that they stop and i literally was like pausing it and trying to understand what she was saying in the background of the cookie eating scene janelle's translating droid over there i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> she's gonna have like a whole encyclopedia okay. by the end of this let's pretend for a minute you don't have the ocd to be this well prepared about things <laughs> finally call so, it so we we see this lab and i'm sure everybody's first question of course is so what is the lab right like what's yes. going on here um and there are clues we get uh, a, a message from the scientist who we saw in the first episode who was, who was trying to experiment on Baby Yoda. And basically, this hollow message from him is for Moff Gideon. 
And it basically alludes to the fact that they took some of baby Yoda's blood when they first had him. And they've been trying to give these, what look like clone, they're back to tanks. And if you know anything about Star Wars, that's a buzzword. Bacta tank is what they used to soak Darth Vader in to, um, you know, to treat his burns and all that before they put him back in the armor. And that's what, you know, he was in before they put him into his cybernetic armor. And they put Luke in it after Hoff to heal him. And it's, it's a healing tank, right? Okay. Or just like kind of weird. It's for anything they need to put Star Wars stuff in, like people into. Um, <laughs> and so they had these weird deformed humanoids. And the message basically alluded to the fact that they're using Baby Yoda's DNA to put uh, midichlorians, which are those hated stupid things from the Phantom Menace that <laughs> measure how much force you have. It's like some cellular thing, the midichlorians. And Baby Yoda has high midichlorians, which is why he can use the force and is force sensitive and all this stuff. And basically they find out that they're trying to put this kind of force technology into these clones. Volunteers and, is what yeah, they call them, right? Volunteers, yeah. But missable thing is that in that message, he said the, the scientist is like scared that the guy might die, like the clone or whatever the guy in the tank is. He's like, this, it has to be someone of importance because he's like, he's like, we need to halt this so that we don't lose this volunteer. And so I feel like this isn't just a nobody in there. No. And we're going to get to all that. So what this, let's just take this piece in the lab first. So you have this experiment, this volunteer, these things in the tank, and there's actually a musical cue that we wrote about yesterday that has loved that article. Yeah. That has a kind of connection back that this all can, could be connecting back to the origin of Supreme leader Snoke. And if you don't remember the star Wars sequel trilogy films had the first order as the replacement for the empire and the leader was Supreme leader Snoke, who was this big, tall humanoid guy who had uh, really intense dark side force powers. Um, he wasn't called a Sith, but he was a dark side force user. And after he died in the second film, we learned in the third film that he was really just a puppet for Emperor Palpatine, who was living as a clone in survival on this planet. And if we, we've talked on this show extensively in season two this year about the kind of complete S show that was the Rise of Skywalker storyline and all of the work that the franchises had to do to fill in those gaps thereafter... Um, whether it's the novel that explains, hey, it is a Palpatine clone. Hey, we left that out of the movie. But like, you know, and that's how he fathered <laughs> Ray. That's how he grandfathered Ray. And Rise of Kylo Ren kind of explain, um, the, that comic series explaining more of the history of Snoke and how long he had been around. And, or all of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all of that. And basically it, it's kind of been revealed that Snoke was just an engineered life form that was meant while he had a free will of his own, he was really just an avatar for the emperor. So he could walk around and talk and have conscious thought, but you know, the emperor could also take command and, you know, whisper in his ear and lead his thoughts and, and basically ran who he was. Yeah. And so that was his purpose so that the emperor could exert his will, like, you know, through this other body. So of course the question is, one of the lingering questions is that people had, if you get super nerd on this is, you know, who created Snoke and how do you get force powers into a, a being that's been, you know, engineered, like if it's right. all midichlorians and all this stuff, like how do you achieve that to the point where he could do all that crazy, powerful dark side stuff that we saw? I mean, you know, the emperor just being a puppeteer shouldn't, shouldn't theoretically do that. Well, looks like it's on the Mandalorian to fix that because mm -hmm. uh, it seems that that seems to be the indication. We heard Snoke music in the scene when they find the takes 
and the humanoids look like the deformed things that will become Snoke one day. It would explain why Snoke's all jacked up physically if they never really kind of perfect this process fully and hoping Baby Yoda survived and so that they didn't perfect this totally. Uh, Let's keep hope alive on that. Um, And that this could be the origins of how it is. It would explain why Moff Gideon is such an important person in the Empire, why he's so fanatical, and why we saw like his underlings willing to kill themselves to just, you know, protect his secrets and all that. And why he's on such a timetable to get his hands on Baby Yoda and so mad about it. Um, Presumably, The Mandalorian takes place really soon after Return of the Jedi at a time. And there's like a 30-year span between Return of the Jedi and the events of Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. So this is a time in which the Emperor is presumably still alive or hanging on or trying to get back to life fully or get this clone body worked out to preserve himself. And it would make sense if he had, if Moff Gideon was like turned out to be a Sith loyalist who is helping, is one of the few people who knows the Emperor is around and helping to to bring him back and, wow. and get this back around. Um, yeah, that would make a lot of sense for, like I said, it also makes sense with him having the dark saber and being more aware and how in his level of knowledge and awareness of Jedi and Mandalorians and all this other stuff uh, that few of the empire actually have that kind of secure knowledge of. So that was the kind of first big mystery about what's happening in the lab. The next big mystery we got, of course, was at the end of the episode when we find out Moff Gideon's kind of also plan for, for this thing when he has a ship full of these big exoskeleton armors, these black exoskeleton armored trooper things, and seemingly his own Darth Vader looking armor that we see a kind of from behind in silhouette. And the question has been, of course, what are those? What are those? What are those? Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> If you want to get too crazy into Star Wars lore, um, there is these things. There are these things called dark troopers, which are from the Legends things. They were in games mm-hmm. uh, and like Star Wars Dark Trooper, one of the first PC games I really got into. Um, yeah. I looked this up because any correlation with gaming, I got oh, excited. And there's like three different versions, and these are the most scary. It's like the third phase. I'm more insulted that you don't have a series of colored binders for all this. <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> trying to make Star Wars she fans does. proud. She does. I do. It's, it's there, I don't know if you could fully ever please Star Wars fans. I, I know. Like, right. you, I feel like you do like... <laughs> well, not with statements <laughs> like that. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. See? They came, they're coming over the top. The um, force. Yeah, right. Uh, but, okay, so Dark Troopers. So Dark Troopers were basically this kind of... Uh, experimental league of stormtroopers. There's been a lot of different ways they've come about because there's been different phases and stuff like that. But the main deal is they try to basically turn uh, injured clone troopers and use cybernetic process like they used on Darth Vader to make them cyber troopers. And then they gave them exoskeletons armor based on battle droids from like the Clone Wars. So there was this weird hybrid of machine and, and clones that became these kind of super troopers and they had black armor and that big so scary. Stuff. Yeah. And they're and scary. They were, and it was a scary in a game because they had jet packs that could fly. Oh they were hard to kill, and they were pretty nuts. They, I mean, they had Mandalorian aspects and they were just the elite troopers. And it seems like the Mandalorian is doing that version of this or, or doing its version of that in Canon. Um, so dark troopers will be Moff Gideon's kind of weird. They still look like they're going to have like the exoskeleton from battle droids, but it looks like they're also going to be kind of like these weird super troopers that are given, you know, attempted to give force powers. 
which would be terrifying if if they pulled that off. Yeah. So we've been kind of thinking about things, what level of threat could bring, you know, Mando, his crew with Greek Garga, Cara Dune together with like Bo-Katan Kreez and Ahsoka Tano for one, that kick-ass finale we all want and uh, Cobb Vance and, and Boba Fett and all that stuff. So what could bring that all together for that kind of kick-ass finale? Well, that's Dark Troopers, Moff Gideon leading an army of Dark Troopers, you know, sounds like it. And even if he gets defeated, you know, maybe he still perfects a process that leads the Emperor to be able to survive and make Snoke and make Rise of the Skywalker make sense and make us want to watch that film again somehow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, gotta say, we gotta talk about the real elephant in the room, though. This was Carl Weathers' first TV debut. Oh. And the fourth, oh, no. and the fourth episode of the Mandalorian season two, and the Mandalorian officially now has a a chapter a uh, fourth episode curse because or tradition four, if you look at it <laughs> with positive lens. Matt, Did it on purpose. It's Matt, a tradition. Matt, getting ready for the holidays, keeping it positive. <laughs> I like it. So basically, in season one, we had uh, Bryce Dallas Howard uh, direct episode four and. She had this gaffe where there was a boom mic in that kind of came floating into a scene. Well, Carl Weathers saw that and he said, hold my beer and wanted to up the ante. <laughs> and so we had an action scene. And if you look for it, when they storm the lab facility and they're fighting stormtroopers, Cara Dune, Mando and Grief Karga. If you look at one scene, there's a poor PA who just some dude. walks out. <laughs> some dude who walks out from behind the set of one of their like little kind of doors oh, or whatever. Uh, way the wrong moment and just kind of is just in the background of this shot and once you see it it's hilarious you can't like, unsee it yeah i mean he's i mean not to insult dude he's just like kind of like a schlubby everyman which is like the hilarious thing about it because he's just like it's like this intense sci-fi scene he's just like in the background so it's so good so this is again a first time director mandalorian chat uh, fourth episode of a season and we have another one of these gaps like why didn't he just like at least like try to inch away like he just stood there he just, yeah that was the biggest thing it's just, just like how it long it is yeah. before it like well, i mean if you've ever been on a film set you know how inane that is that was probably like take one like take 20 of 50 <laughs> and he was probably like they're never gonna use this and they were oh like my oh, God. that's the that's one, the one. <laughs> yeah it's got chuck back there that's yeah. great uh yeah oh, oh, man, i so. feel like next time though they should hand it should they should now make it a tradition yeah. Going forward, like the fourth episode should always have like an Easter egg like that in it somewhere. <laughs> Easter eggs, we're calling these now. Run, run with it. <laughs> run with it. Embrace it and have some kind of weird, stupid little Easter egg in every fourth episode of the season. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's The Mandalorian, Chapter 12. We're all looking forward to the upcoming chapters, especially the one that'll bring us face-to-face finally with Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano. Hopefully oh that's Oh, my week. gosh. Yeah, I was really thinking it was going to be Chapter 12, but they're they playing with me. They're playing with my emotions, man. <laughs> but uh, he has a fixed ship. Oh, but we forgot. Like the, Yeah, the dark ending is Mando fixes his ship, and he's headed off to meet Ahsoka Tano, but, grief, uh, but uh, Moff Gideon, had one of those shady little engineers, which is why I watch my mechanics when they work on my car, mm-hmm. um, plan a tracking device in it. And so the bad guys know where Mando's going and they'll be have eyes on him. And Moff Gideon's real slick. He's just going to wait and wait and wait until it's time. All right. So we'll be keeping <laughs> up with the Mandalorian for you guys. We'll check back <laughs> with you and tell you what's going on with the show. But we're going to take a break. And after the break, we are going to move on to DC's future state preview and try to make sense of that for you. 
Stay tuned. back dc future state if you have not been paying attention dc announced basically that they were taking all the remnants of that g5 idea uh and getting rid of it and reforming it into dc future state which is an event that kicks off in january and february of 2021 and it will look at the future timeline of the dc comics universe and some pretty big changes that have happened to the status of the heroes and you know the main heroes like the trinity batman superman wonder woman and we'll get visions of these new worlds, these new titles, these new status quos before the timeline reverts back to the, to the normal one uh, in March, I believe. So DC has put out the preview for Future State, which gives us our first look at the kind of setup that we're going to get in various books and the new status quos of these heroes that we've seen sketches of, but are now getting, and I mean, extensive more information about. So Matt. Yeah, I was surprised actually when when I handed this to everybody. I was like, "Hey, let's do this." I well, thought my question. it was going to be like a this? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought it was going to be like a real quick like summary of each one, and I thought, "Oh, that's still interesting." But man, they went like deep, which is great. So if you've been wondering like what this is really about, especially for the three key kind of anchors of the DCU, which is of course Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, this sets out a lot of those. Um, you know, just coming at it from like, what are the biggest things that stick out? Uh, it's funny. I feel like we have a stuff does Joker war better than Joker war discussion, like every other show now (laughs) and reading about the Gotham city stuff and the magistrate, like essentially like Batman's presumed dead. And yeah, so can we jump now, in there? Yeah, I want yeah, to jump like That Batman. was my most excited. Yeah. I think, I think, I we're, I think we're all on the same page. So let's start with yeah. the stuff we're most okay. excited about, which is yeah. the Batman stuff. For sure. Uh, yeah, Matt, set us up. What is going on with Batman and Future State? So essentially, uh, and all of this takes place uh, after Death Metal 7. Uh, there's an epilogue that sets all this up, and it's in the far future. Essentially, Batman has been presumed dead. There is a new Batman, and the, the city essentially got tired <laughs> of having of having their city taken over by people uh, constantly and wars fought in the streets. So they essentially handed the city over to a private security company and said, do this and outlaw masks. So like vigilantism is, is outlawed. That means all the bad family. Bad. Yeah. And yeah, good or bad. So like it, it's, it creates. So Harley's that, okay. Right. Cause it's kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, you know, but it's like clown hunter gone. Yeah. Like, is, yeah. Clown hunter's gone. But yeah. So like all of these various members of the bat family are kind of on the outskirts trying, some are still trying to do what they've always done. Others have like turned and done other things. Like they're really having some fun with it. Um, the new Batman, what's, what's interesting is they go into a little detail, essentially like no one knows who the new Batman is, who is also on the justice league, by the way, no one on the justice league knows who each other is. Like secret identities wow. are a thing again. So uh, no one knows who this Batman is, but this Batman is doing everything like his biggest advantage is that it's analog. So like all of his gadgetry and all his stuff is very primitive compared mm-hmm. to like where everything is like tech and stuff. So we've seen like Batman has a train. Batman has like giant ships and stuff like that's not happening. Like his right. biggest advantage is that he's like lo-fi. So that's that's really interesting. I feel like again it was kind of like what Joker War was trying to do, but like we're we're kind of getting that here in a very tight space. Uh, and then also, 
from the teases, of course, Batman is somewhere still around. They show designs for him. I imagine he's not dead. Right. So that'll be interesting to see uh, him form in there. I thought the biggest, the most interesting part though was Nightwing because yeah, all of this starts. Yeah, all of this starts from Arkham. Something happens at Arkham Asylum. Some like horrible event happens and there's evidently a lot of death or whatever. So like, that's what triggers the law. That's what triggers the city kind of revolting but like Nightwing is like on the outskirts and can't really find a home is still trying to do this. So like he sets up his headquarters there at the site of this like terrible tragedy because it's like no one will look here. That's, that's kind of interesting. I think it'll make Nightwing who is really the m- kind of main member of the Bat family still doing this and mm-hmm. around. Um, and also he sees this new Batman, doesn't know who he is. There's only one Batman the Nightwing. So that's really interesting. What, what stuck out for you? Both of us were about to talk. Uh, for me, it's just, yeah, throw, Batman throwing back, like, to the, they quoted as, like, the original Batman, like, having to hide in the shadows, use the night as, you know, your shadow, as your helper, like, having to get back to, like, physically getting into, you know, altercations with people instead of relying on all of his gear and tech. And I just think that's really amazing. I'm also very interested in Harley's um, role here because it seems like the magistrate wants to work with her. Like she's going to be incorporated into that. And the big teaser for her is she can't just smash people's faces in with a bat. Like she actually has to get really intellectual and sneaky here to do what she wants to do and go with her own narrative. So I'm very excited to see what she's got up her sleeve because, you know, she's a trickster and I just love her. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just interested in the whole setup of the magistrate and what that is. It reminds me a little bit of, and I think it's the artwork of the Deathstroke season of Arrow. Yeah. When Deathstrokes took off, but this sounds cooler and it sounds like, because these aren't bad guys, this is a security firm um, in, how they deal with villains and, and things like that. And it'll be interesting if they can keep it gray enough so the magistrates aren't arch and don't turn out to be like, right. you know, secret, secret bad guys conquering the city. And it's just like, no, they are just these security firms and, and stuff. And Gotham has to come up with a reason why they don't want that ideologically versus Batman would be interesting to me. So I'm kind of interested to see that. And the artwork for that just kind of looks interesting. It looks um, yeah. damn more yeah. than all those designs. And to do that, dude, beautiful. Oh my God, they're so awesome. Uh, I think Kofi will appreciate this because I I know I'm like, I always like, hey, Aquaman. I always build up Aquaman, right? But there's a part in here and it's not very long. It's about Aquaman. But our boy, Brandon Thomas from Excellence is writing this. And it could be really awesome, especially since like Jackson has taken over the Aquaman role. We don't know where Arthur is. We don't really know where Mara is. Uh, and Andy, their daughter, is now like the new Aqualass. And so like they're essentially kind of this duo and they end up separated and they have to try and find a way back to each other. But like he's on Neptune. He's like stranded here. Like there's all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was, I saw who was writing and I was really excited and I was just like, man, but the premise is yeah, Aquaman trying to swim home from Neptune. I was like, okay. That's but I believe, like, right? Like it, it could be great. It could not be great, but Excellence is so good. <laughs> yeah. And so. I think what Brandon Thomas will do that's good is Neptune's a planet where you can play with the concepts of aquatic life and water and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what you do with that concept. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Of the other books, though, I am most excited for Justice League Future State. Uh, yeah. Specifically because 
I like who they select as the replacements. Um, Jonathan Kent, Superman, no surprise there. Superman's son, Yara Fjord as Wonder Woman. Far Sector as Green Lantern. Uh, and her costume. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Aqua Yara Lass, looks amazing. Um, the Flash from a distant multiverse and the secret Batman that we're going to get. And I love the dynamic is these people don't trust each other to reveal. It's kind of Watchmen-y, HBO's mm -hmm. Watchmen-y. Like they don't trust each other to reveal who's underneath the mask to each other. So they don't know who each other are and yet have to function as a team. And I think that's an interesting twist on the superhero team kind of secret identity trope to kind mm -hmm. of use yeah. it as this whole thing of mistrust, especially when obviously these are a new generation of old heroes and they're all aware that, you know, this, you're not the original Wonder Woman. You're like Wonder Woman understudy or Superman understudy. And right. that can really mess with the level of trust. And also who the Flash and Batman are, are going to be kind of interesting. Right, yeah, because there's this mystery Flash um, somewhere. I'm so excited, by the way, Janelle, that you love uh, Joe from Far Sector's Green Lantern design. Because yes. this is going to – that book is one of the best comics out there. And it just still feels kind of out there because it is. It's not like – you know, it's it's kind of on this its own little island, and I feel like having her part of the Justice League here, even for a short amount of time, will give her such a spotlight that she deserves. And right. like coming out of this, I hope that like that continues and we push because she's see. I can't wait to see her like interact with John Kent, right? Who's who's getting still getting used to being superman for his dad and like right. this mystery batman so um and he's so i, I love his ahead. design too i just i think that for me personally because i am so into the costumes and the artwork part of it i'm really impressed with a lot of these costumes and like even batman going full face coverage did you see that yeah his whole entire, he's not just wearing the cow, like the whole thing is covered and that's interesting too. I don't, I just, I'm really into all of this. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find like one, oh, okay. The only thing that kind of is weird <laughs> is the Superman in like gladiator wear. <laughs> um, yeah, the briefs only. Yeah, <laughs> chains and whips. You say weird, I say. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It's an interesting take. Like that's, that's my favorite imagery of this so far, though. So yeah. It's the Superman, yeah, and the chains and the collar. Like, yeah. And, and the premise the is interesting. It makes yeah, the premise me want to read it. I'm interested. Yeah. I, I like the premise of where they say, like, you know, he went to go fix something, and then, like, he's just been gone, and he's obviously this has been happening to him. Um, I, I'm typically really positive. I am because, like, there's two Wonder Woman books there's a wonder woman immortal and then there's another wonder woman um the one that is yara floor who is um the current kind of current future uh timeline like she's actually working with jonathan kent and this other batman like she's working in there that sounds interesting because they're going to lean into some of the like the greek mythology thing she's got to go on a quest to hades wow. we have a new wonder woman she's also not from like the mascara she's from like another place but she's still an amazon so like there's all these different fun things there the one that's immortal which is nubia i believe nubia okay that is set like far far i i kind of left that with like kofi left aquaman i i read the like the pitch of like and, and nothing just clicked with me even though i love the design i love, I love the, the design, design too but yeah right. it's, it's just like nothing was there that like really grabbed me and I was, I was like oh okay that's a little disappointing but it could end up being really cool i just i of all the things in here that i got really mm -hmm. excited about that was the one that kind of i agree with out. you on that yeah 
Yeah. It's just hard. Oh, Yara man. just looks awesome. Yeah. And she sounds great. And then, yeah. Wrapping things up soon, real quick. Uh, what do you guys, anything else you guys are really excited for? I'm a little out there, I'm, but I'm always a little out there on the cosmic stuff of DC. It can be a little too far out there. So. I love the cosmic stuff. However, in the in DC, I struggle more with um, trying to like get the background and everything because there's not any one specific storyline that I'm really like crazy about. And I would love recommendations, honestly. Oh, we can get you recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a problem. But I, I understand, too, because the history also, like, DC, even more so than Marvel's, I feel at times. I yeah. mean, geez, they've had – how many events have they had to, like, rectify the timeline and the continuity? Like, it can yeah. get messy very quickly with DC, so I get it. Yeah. And finally, what are the odds that Jason Todd gets to be the new Batman? Oh, you think it's him? I'm just asking. It's the Bruiser Batman, so I don't know. You know? Wow. Um, I mean, they could. I don't think it's Damien. Um, though that seems like the most logical choice. I don't think it's Damien, so I would say I, I think that's a good bet. I think that would be interesting to explore. They also tease that in issue three of The Dark Detective, which is what they're calling the new Batman, um, they will, like, that whole thing of like, what does the old Batman think of this will be addressed. If it was Todd, I think we would get some of the stuff that we kind of got in three jokers, but maybe Better. more subtle, less, <laughs> less like <laughs> punched in your face. Um, right. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for DC future state preview. Be sure to check that out on comicbook.com DC and Matt, before we get out of here, why don't you run us down on our new comics of the week? But yeah, yeah. Uh, starting with uh, Ten of Swords, we have X-Men number 15. We have, let's see, what's the other one? Oh my God, it got buried on my thing here. Uh, Ten of Swords, Destruction number one. Uh, so we're actually coming to uh, the end of this. And uh, I can't believe we're going to have Comic Book Nations without talk about this book. It seems weird. Action Comics number 1027, Wonder Woman number 767, Daredevil number 24, Excalibur. Number 15, that's the other book. I knew there was one. Batman Beyond, number 49. Suicide Squad, number 11, which I believe is the final issue. That's it is. Uh, the Other History of the DC Universe, number one, which, by the way, is a, is a long read. It's like 140 pages. Whoa. But, man, it's great. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, Rat Queens, number 23. Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn, number two. An Unkindness of Ravens, number three. Exo Man of War, number two. The Witcher! Fading Memories, number one, the Kaiju score, and TMNT Best of Donatello, number two collection for those turtle fans out there. So that's comics. All right, Matt, thank you. And thank you guys for listening in to our new, hopefully revitalized version of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for checking in. As always, if you're just now getting in the show, you can check it out every Wednesday and Friday. Actually, I don't know about that anymore. But you can check it out on comicbook.com or your favorite podcast listening platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist. You can check out our videos of us live on Facebook or at the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. You can always talk to us at the Comic Book Nation Twitter handle or the Comic Book Nation hashtag, or you can reach out to us individually. Oh, we're also on Twitch now. We're going to be doing hey! our things on Twitch. So we'll be doing live episodes on Twitch where we hope to invite you guys to get in. Help us build a little community. 
Yeah. As we record live, you can see us mess up and stuff if we decide to go that <laughs> route. <laughs> oh, God. That'd be great. So you can check us out on Stitch. And if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review so that when we eventually get in our merch closet, we can send all our five-star reviewers a nice Comic Book Nation t-shirt like the one I'm wearing if you're watching this. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode. We want to thank you guys for checking in, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Deuces.